We are so proud. AM Talk Radio 790. You are listening to A Nation Divided, coming to you fresh, clean, and new from Culver City. I am Brian Thomas Dunn Esquire with my best friend in the free world, Mr. James Oates. How you feeling today, brother? I'm going to get my vaccine this week, B. I'm feeling really good about it. All right. Hope wanna, nothing bad happens between now and the vaccine. Want to get all those masks taken off. Get out of this mask world that we're living in. Get back to normal. Actually, brother, the sad reality is you're still going to have to be dealing with that mask no, for the foreseeable no. future. Wait, I thought I could just take my mask off. Once I get the vaccine, I'm done, right? Uh, not. What? It, sadly, no. Come there on. are variants of the, of the thing that can mess you up. There are all kinds of strange situations variants. that variants. can continue to happen. Interesting. So, yeah, we're probably going to be uh, in a mask-filled world for at least another year. Well, I'm still going to get the vaccine. So, folks, we wish that you will all get the vaccine. Apparently, it's going to be available to everyone it is uh, now. Within the yeah. month, yeah. Like it's, it's like certain parts of California, they've opened it up, and we can get them around here, too, yeah. You've got your vaccine. Actually, you've had both shots, right? Oh, no. I, I'm going to get my second one next week. Oh, yeah, the yeah, first yeah. one. You've only had your first one, yeah. But the, the idea is, folks, when you just think about everything that we've been through in the last year, I mean, from when we be, began to consider uh, this corona thing, and it, it, we, it was something that we were in denial about for you so never long. never would have guessed it would have gone this long. We had, an, we had a show once where we bet if it would be 300 people dying, oh, yeah. And, yeah. and you know, if it would get to the 300s, and that was about, if you just think about it, it's been half a million people. We had a show where we actually made fun of it. We had a show like in January where we <laughs> thought it was a completely made-up thing. Right, right. Yeah. So folks, it just goes to show how times change and how we have to be hyper vigilant and always, uh, as my mother says, be alert at all times because things can change. Yes, indeed. So in terms of what's dominating the news, we've all uh, been inundated with the events that have happened in Minneapolis. Uh, they have been at the topic of pretty much every news story has led with it this week on some level or, or another. You've been on the air a lot. You've been yeah, on local TV, national TV, radio. You've been all over talking about you it. You know, it's crazy, Jim. I've been doing uh, these cases for 26 years now, mostly in obscurity. The yes. vast majority of the things I've done, no one's seen, but it's just like now people want to know about it, uh, which is which is interesting. Uh, but what's really, really interesting is how people are starting to understand what has happened only uh, behind closed doors, only in the dark, only in uh, the alleys, only in situations where no one's watching. Now people are becoming aware of some of these things. And that's the world is turning. Yeah, the world is turning. People are they're aware, I think, now that this has always happened in one form or another. They just didn't see it. And you ask, how does that happen? I mean, what is it that causes a situation like this to rise to the forefront of the public consciousness and then you go back to that horrific video and you think, how could all of these events align such that the entire world will see an act of torture, basically, taking place over a nine and a half minute period where an individual slowly is killed? And I do mean slowly uh, in live action. You know, well, we've done shows on the body cam. I remember. Do you remember we did a show maybe almost two years ago now, but we did a show talking about the change in perception in the public because of 
the advent of the video on the right. phone, and then now you got the body cam thing. But there's clear it's clear that this would never have come to light if people had not been videotaping this video on, on their phone. Absolutely, you would have never. We would never know. We would not even have the perspective to see what was really happening. And well, you know, why does this happen? And I, I always try to think about not just things happening, uh, but why are they happening? And I think that you know the universe remembers when there is an act of injustice. It's like even though horrible things happen and people know that what is happening is wrong, there's this sense of frustration because so often nobody knows or the only the mother knows or only one family is aware of what's happening. But the reality is, I think that the universe remembers. And it, it there's the concept of justice somehow is always inextricably intertwined with truth, like just showing, shining a light on something that would have previously been in the dark. Absolutely, of course. I mean, it goes without saying that what when people saw this happen, right. they instantly knew it was wrong. Right. And then it it must also be true that this has happened before. It and has people to have. have to start coming to grips with that. I think for a lot of years, and I, I know you've talked about it with your cases that you've done over the years, that the biggest problem you've had with people that are sitting in the jury is they just can't believe right. that – this would occur you know well obviously if the police officer did it there was something going on there was some reason why that's the classic thing they would say i think people are starting to change their attitude on that well they are and i'm so happy that you brought that up because that was the source of so much suffering (laughs) for me uh, because i remember these internal conversations i you know we, we would prove scientifically that this individual was running, that he got shot in the back. Uh, there's no way he could have been facing the officer. The use of force policy clearly states that the officer shouldn't do it, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know, we're talking to the jurors afterwards, and they say, well, why did he run? Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm like, why did you shoot him? It doesn't and they're matter. like, well, yeah. why did he run? If he didn't do something right. wrong, he wouldn't have run. Yeah. But the the implication or the subtext is, is that if you disobey a police officer, you have invited... Uh, any form of retribution up to and including death. Well, in fact, that's what our law essentially does say, right? I mean, that's what it says. It's the penal codes in the state of California. It's 148, right? That if you re- if you resist the officer in his, or prohibit him from doing his duty, I'm obstructing or delaying an delay. officer yeah, in the right. lawful performance of his duty. So it's in the law. Yes, it's in the law. So I mean, then it just only it stands to reason that people would say, "Oh, well, then in all cases." But you know, somehow. That seems to be shifting a little bit. Yeah, maybe. And, you know, to see this happen um, in my lifetime, I think, is is pretty remarkable. But, but folks, we're going to talk about a few things in, involving uh, this situation in Minnesota. But one of the things that we're going to get at kind of right away is there were – how many people was it just – there were a handful oh, of people that were just around yeah. civilians watching this. And they were the people that were all on in the first week of this right. trial, right? They were right. actually on the stand talking about it. And it was gut-wrenching to hear some of these people talk right. about feeling helpless, that they couldn't do anything about it. Right. And I tell you what's interesting to me, and we were talking about this right before the show, is that what came to mind when I was listening to just a little bit of that, what I kept replaying in my mind was the tape of Flight 91. Yeah, you know, September 11th, yeah, right? he's talking about the... Uh, the, the United the, flight. It's the right. last flight. The other three planes have already gone into buildings. They've gone into the Pentagon. Right. And these helpless people are on this plane, and they're receiving these terrible phone calls and the cell phone from their family saying, right. you know, there's been another one, and they said another one and another plane. And then what happened was 
enough of our American citizens got together and, and it was said, game on, baby. They said, game on. stop this, whatever it takes, right. because we know what's going to happen here and we're not going to let it happen with and, us. And we're going to die anyway, so we and might I, as well yes. do what we can to protect our I fellow citizens. I kept thinking that when I was listening to these people. I'm, I, You know, it's a different situation, sure, but is it that different? I mean, certainly, you know, the people were faced with a situation where they had to make a decision about whether to take action or not, and it's a hard situation well, no, the, what makes it different, brother, is that it's a cop. That's right. And, and that, that's really, you've got law enforcement. And that is what makes it different. So one of the first questions that we're going to really talk about today is, should citizens under certain circumstances really have the legal authority to intervene when a police officer is breaking the law? And I'm not talking about other police officers. I'm talking about other citizens yes right because we we heard the testimony from this mma fighter uh and he testified in the first week it was pretty poignant he was talking about the fact that he can't sleep at night he feels all of these emotions because he had it well within his ability to tackle the officer had his ability he also knew what was going on it was clear to him that this thing was wrong he had the training to understand what was the training good point yes Yes. but it was it was law enforcement yeah it's law enforcement and and I'm happy he didn't because I think they would have been planning two funerals instead of one that's if he the, had. That's if he exactly had. right. Yeah, the poor guy would end up being gone as well. But he's still struggling with that. So, you know, as we move into the the the, the discussion, folks, like, just think about this. We're going to have a discussion about this to, uh, next few minutes. Should a citizen, just a regular Joe, have the legal authority to stop a sworn police officer when it is obvious Very that, that sworn that police officer is breaking yeah. the law. It's it's not an easy question, not folks. Easy. We're going to be taking your calls in just a few minutes. We'll be right back. Be back. Continuing that yacht rock theme. You know how it is, baby. Little Ambrosia coming at you. Uh, I was a, I had a happy childhood. I'm man. telling you, man. I gotta say, I, I was happy with this. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, things didn't get bad till later, yeah. but they did get bad. Seventies yeah. no. <laughs> were cool. Yeah. So, folks, we're coming back now. We are KBC AM Talk Radio 790. You're listening to a Nation Divided on a mellow Saturday. Very mellow. Chilling with my boy, my best friend, Mr. James Oates, chopping up the events of the week, and we have predictably seized on the Floyd trial and all of the implications that this has, not just for our country, but uh, for humanity. And in the idea of the law, I've dedicated my life and soul and body to the law. It's constantly changing. It doesn't just stay where it is. You know, there's people that are probably still in prison right. for crimes like selling <laughs> pot and stuff that it's aren't totally even legal, legal now, yeah, anymore. Right. You we, know? Know, we know they are. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, but the idea is the law should always kind of conform to where we, we are morally as a society and kind of yes. what we're thinking. And the idea that we have a group of people uh, that are above the law. And in many ways, uh, when I say law enforcement officers are above the law, it doesn't mean that they cannot be prosecuted as we're seeing. That's right. But what it does mean is that there's a very different scenario than is uh, present for a citizen. Like, for example, if I were kneeling on a person in the same manner that we saw the officer, Derek Average Chauvin. Average ordinary guy. You're not a police officer. 
I would the citizens would kick the snot out of me, and after just they people did that, would come around. I just there right. would be old ladies hitting me with canes, man. It's just like and, it, it would people right. would not let it happen. And after they did that, you'd be put in handcuffs, and then another guy who's a police officer might would, do the would, exact same thing to you. Right? And you know, it should yeah. be done to me if I'm trying to yeah. kill if somebody. You're trying to do it to someone else, of uh, course. Yeah, I, I would expect that you know humans would prevent that from happening. Uh, but in this case, the guy's got a uniform, he's got a gun, he's got the official authority. Uh, of the of the city behind right. him and and the 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 people are powerless to act under those circumstances and should that be yes you know is that right should people uh, under these circumstances well, again, i have I, a very strong opinion which i, I will I, give later but i know you do and of course and i do too but in my my take on it's a little bit different and obviously you know and I, you both you and i are historic you know we yeah. Amateur historians. Well, you like, got me into that, really, yeah, actually. Right. But, you know, both of us are. And, we, and of course, for us, the big, when we were kids, back in the 70s, the big thing was the Vietnam War. Yeah. And uh, I think most people knew about Melee, right? right. The Melee uh, incident. The, the Tell problems. everybody about what it was. Yeah, so, you. I mean, basically, it, was, it happened in 1968. And the, and the idea is that there were U.S. troops that had gone into this village in South Vietnam, and they took this village and by force and there was a gun battle and then afterwards civilians were rounded up and the estimates were somewhere between 350 and 500 civilians oh, and a second lieutenant said he claimed that he was ordered to kill all of these civilians oh. now the whole point and and, and, and he was court-martialed and he was found guilty of murder but what happened folks is it was a straight massacre it was a massacre and if you could just for a minute think about what that is is people that are standing up doing nothing right women and children just getting cut down by machine guns small arms fire that is very horrific and personal go ahead brother. but now here's the thing and this is the same for you as it is for me you and i talk about this stuff a lot we're not banging up the soldiers in the field for having to do that and vietnam was crazy and and it is it's an can't even imagine being in that same scenario. Right, right, right. And right. then you're in the same scenario, and you're doing all of this stuff, and then you're being given direct orders from your commanding officer, and so then what do you do, right? I mean, you've been given an order, but what what brings this to light for me in this discussion is what we were talking about before the show, is that there it, it, the, the, there's a military code of conduct, and office, a, a soldier takes an oath, right? And he takes an oath to defend the, the Constitution, the United States, against all enemies, foreign, domestic. He takes an oath to follow direct orders, follow orders from the president and a superior officer, but in accordance with regulations in the military code of justice, i.e., he cannot follow an unlawful order. And guys get banged up for that, and in right. this instance, that happens. So you've got a guy who's following an order that he was given, but it's an unlawful order. So in my mind, I extend that logic and I say, okay, let's flip this around. You're a a civilian, you're on the street, and you're watching a police officer do something and it's wrong. Right. Now, the police officer, of course, has to have absolute authority, and our penal code says that you can't interfere with that guy, and the law is clear about that. But at the same time, at what point has the police officer essentially surrendered his rights as a police officer because he's committing what is effectively an unlawful act well it, it's a deep question it's deep man but, but in it's order true. to really understand the implications of how that would play out in the street you have to understand a few things number one what i i know how police kill people because i've dedicated so much of my time into seeing how it plays out right and this is something that usually happens very quickly it happens in a 
span of maybe 10 seconds or the less. Average, like when it's a shooting. When it's a, when it's a, when a it's concept of, yes. firearm, right, involved, and it just happens so fast. Breakdown in communication, escalation, escalation, and then ba 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 And it happens really in the blink of an eye. You can see it coming if you're astute, but... Usually you're dealing with a mentally ill person. This is how right. people really get killed typically, by the police, folks. The it's usually someone, yeah, there's a person that can't understand what's going on. Right. Uh, the officer uh, is dealing with a, a conflagration of emotions in his head because he's afraid, he's angry, he doesn't know what's happening. People usually do what they what he tells them to do. And there is a, some kind of a sudden movement and a hail of gunfire. That's the way it happens, folks. That's the way in the street, in the real world it doesn't happen over a 10-minute period uh, with a person uh, being in broad daylight, uh, slowly uh, asphyxiated in, fact, I, I think in a I've, public area. I think before, and I've seen it when your cases, and I can't remember which case it was, and I, you probably couldn't even say on the air, but I, re- I can remember having an expert witness for the defense counsel saying that the amount of time that it takes for a person to make the decision to pull the trigger and right. then physically see with their eyes and then the whole event happens – that you make that decision so many seconds before the actual event occurs, right. and in between, there's no way to stop it. Like a human can't think that. Once fast. that tripwire gets set right. in motion, it's going to happen. But but this but is different. the idea is it's totally, this is a different situation, totally unpredictable, and it is completely. Uh, it is usually something that even if a citizen were going to intervene, there's no way it could happen. I mean, right. logically speaking. If we empowered people to interrupt law enforcement officers that may be breaking the law, you have created such a impossibly unworkable situation. I love the because it, yes. you cannot the way that the police act in the field is they're reacting basically to things that are in a fluid uh motion and things are changing and constantly people are these aren't situations like we have in Minnesota where you have time to deliberate and think. This is a ten minute, nine and a half minute encounter where all of this is happening in front of a lot of people. That is not the way it happens normally. But even further to the point, I love what you said before. You checked me on this thing about the, the military. You said, look, the reality is, is we could not have an effective military right. force if we had every soldier right. questioning the reasoning for every order that he was given. Yeah, soldiers should not be saying why. Yeah, that, they, that's just not something that they should be exactly. saying. And in, the, in fact, there have been those examples. I had looked up an example where there was a guy who had basically filed suit against the federal government because he was going to be deployed to Kuwait. And he said, I don't want to have to fight over there. And I think yeah, it's an unlawful order. And the Supreme Court threw it out. Can't do that. So, yeah. folks, when we get back, we're going to be taking your calls. Um, we have a, a lot of things we want to talk about. We want to talk about the concept of murder and, you know, uh, should should uh, police be charged with murder? Uh, how does when, a person they kill someone? get to it? And how, how do they, they kill? get to the exactly. place Ooh. where they can do this? But but the idea that we want to start off with, folks, and if you'd like to join the discussion, uh, we're going to open up the phone lines uh, after the break. Uh, you can reach us at 1-800-222-KBC. 1-800-222-5222. And we're going to just talk about an abstract concept. I'd love it if some law enforcement officers would call. I know that I I hear rumors that they listen to the show. Yeah, we get some guys calling in every once in a while. And see, that's the thing, because it's one thing to talk about this stuff in the abstract right. so easily right. and safely removed from it. It's another thing to actually be the guy there on the ground when this stuff happens. Exactly. And what type of a chaotic situation would we invite if we actually did say, okay, we are going to empower citizens to 
interfere with a police officer if it is determined that the police officer is breaking the law. And that is such a Pandora's box. But just so you know, if you're trying to do that now, please don't. You will go to jail. Okay, And you may get killed in the process. The law is clear on this. There is no... There, there is no ambiguity on this. Well, it doesn't matter why. I mean, the only, the only reason is, is that if there's not probable cause, and that's a very, very far stretch. Well, California to go. has the loosest statute in the world. <laughs> really do, if in you way, are resisting, obstructing, yeah. or delaying yeah. an officer, you are the law, done. do not do this. In that the means state if of he says, "I want you to turn left," and you say, "Why?" They can, bl- they can violate you. <laughs> yeah, just we don't want to get in trouble on this thing, man. <laughs> we'd be very clear. Don't so, do this. So yeah, this is a situation that we're talking about in the abstract, that's hypothetical. Right. Twilight zone kind of thing. But, you know, in that one situation that you're seeing play out in Minneapolis, what was the it does, you kind of wonder, there's there's all of those people that are standing around watching this. Yeah. So, folks, that's going to be the other topic of discussion. And and as we move into just the idea of what is really happening in in Floyd, uh, we're going to expand it a little bit as we move forward and, and talk about, you know, the idea of murder. Uh, If a police officer uh, kills a person and it is intentional, uh, should that police officer be charged like everyone else uh, with with murder? I keep coming back to that thing. We were talking about this before the show is that think about this. And and I really want people that are listening to think about this. What does it take for a person to get to to the point where they're going to kill somebody? I mean, another human being. Yeah, you know, you get mad. It could happen in an instant. Like you talk about with the gunshot. You know, you hit somebody really, really hard because you're mad and it kills them and you didn't mean to. Right. But. I mean, this thing when you watch it on video over and over it is and over on purpose, again, bro. They've made he's made a decision totally it's like, on okay, purpose. It's going to stay there, right? Don't even have a don't even care what happens after this, right? It's going to stay there. And the typical way that a bad police shooting, ha- well, the way that deadly force is usually meted out is with a firearm, right? And the way that it happens is a police officer kills someone, or a group of police officers kills someone who turns out to be unarmed. Tactically, their approach was ridiculous. Yeah. And, and that this happen- was preventable. And this happens in the minority, but it does happen. These things do happen. They've right. been happening forever. And, you know, should it be a crime? I mean, you have taken someone's life. Right. All right, folks. We got a whole lot of wonderful things to talk about. Yeah, unpack it. Try to remember we love you. And if you'd like to weigh in, you can reach us at 1-800-222-5222. 1-800-222-KBC. Let's light this fire, folks. We're going to be right back. Ambrosia. You got it, Ambrosia. Come on. Welcome back, folks. We are AM Talk Radio 790. Listen to a nation divided. I'm Brian Dunn, my best friend, Mr. James Oates, chopping up the events of the week. Indeed, we are. Question de jour. Should a citizen have the legal authority to interfere with a police officer when the police officer is doing wrong, breaking the law? And uh, obviously, the tipping point uh, for this discussion has uh, been set off in in Minnesota. We all see this video and we are empathizing with the uh, pain of the people that are watching this and powerless and helpless to do anything about it. I'm going to go to the phones and uh, we're going to get to everybody. Stan from Venice. Uh, Lynette, you're going to be next. Thank you so much for calling Stan. Hello, Stan. Welcome to A Nation Divided, brother. We are dying to know what you think. Thank you so much. A very important discussion. I don't think there's an American or even a citizen in the world that wouldn't have been screaming. You know, that's a spectacle. You've got them in cuffs. Get off of them. I'm not being critical of the 
folks on the scene because I wasn't there, mind you. You know, I did not hear that. I did not hear a bunch of citizens screaming at at that at at Officer Chauvin and those other two officers. You know, this has got to stop. This has got to stop. That suspect is clearly under control. You know, people were saying exactly those exact things, Dan. They really were. It's just so heartbreaking. You know, it's just so heartbreaking. I don't have a solution, but I'd like to add something, and I don't want this to be a distraction. But you know, I live in Venice, where Hunter Biden is. There mm-hmm. are citizens arrest protocols that are legal, you know, and I feel a very weird sense of responsibility mixed with a sense of cognitive dissonance right. because I've right. seen evidence of tremendous things that he filmed himself that I don't want. I'm not going to get into. Well, Stan, I got to tell you something. Just the heart that you're showing me right now is going to change the country. I mean, see, the the, the horse leads the carriage and. If a person is coming to a situation from a place of compassion and they actually have a deep level of feeling for people on both sides of it, that will dictate the right law, the right action, the right tactic. The idea is not everybody has that, but you talked about citizens arrest, Jim. You know something about that, right? Well, I mean, just a little bit of it, but I know obviously, yeah, like in the state of California, it's the in the penal code is penal code eight thirty seven. But basically, I mean, the idea is that there are rules that govern when you can do this thing, but the standards are very, very high for a person to do this. And and when you do this thing, you've got to be clear. If you commit a citizen's if you if you perform a citizen's arrest, you're committing yourself to you're opening up all kinds of li- potential right. liability. And also the person might not want to be arrested. They might not want to be arrested. And, and the number one thing and that kind of goes back to the number one thing about it is that you've got to have it's uh, the uh, of utmost importance is the safety of the person that you're supposed to you supposedly you're apprehending. But then the problem is, is that that's kind of like what it is for a police officer, too, except it's very right. clear in the state of California. Penal Code 148. You cannot interfere with a police officer, and that goes that that overrules the police right. the, the citizens arrest concept. Well, it's also, I mean, I have to throw the race card, and I grew up black. It was the age of nine that I first had a police officer shove a gun into and my face. face. And I'll never forget you telling me. I story. I will. Uh, I'm not going to ever get anywhere near a cop. If I can no, help it, just right. generally. Yeah. But the idea of starting something with a cop, forget yeah, about it, man. Exactly. It's just, it wouldn't even occur to me. But, but Stan, do you think that maybe we should be looking at this a little bit differently in the eyes of the law? Well, I do, absolutely. But I think that it's a real conundrum if you, you know, let the general public know that you can intercede with an officer. Right. Because there already is a procedure and a protocol, and there should be right. for accountability. There's a badge. There's a number. There's a lot of cameras, and there's a, a there. I there, I'm too upset. I'm too upset. I'm not a professional news personality. I'm too upset to watch the trial. But there is a trial going right. on, you know. And but system is the system. You know, it's not like they're unaccountable case managers or this or that or people that we can't track. Right. But Stan, hire, Stan, I got a question you, for you because you yeah. you alluded to it right when you started, and I want to hit you in the head with this thing: this idea of responsibility. So we know yeah. that well, I believe justice is going to be played out in this instance. I think it's clear that that's yeah. going to happen, and I trust the system. I believe in the system, and that will occur. But. You've got to set justice aside when you're talking about the life of another human being. So George Floyd doesn't get to be around to enjoy the justice that's going to occur. Right. So now there's a responsibility, right? I mean, the, the example would be the Good Samaritan laws that exist in other states and the idea that if you 
see someone injured and or maybe you even injured them yourself, yeah. like saying a car accident, right. you have a responsibility yeah. to we that person. Yeah, we want to encourage a person. I mean, and you know, if a person is in peril, we want to, as humans, empower uh, those of us who are there when it happens to take actions to help them. Right. I mean, there was a situation that prompted that in New York where there was a, a woman who was literally being raped in a, in a public area. Yes. And there were all of these bystanders yes. that were just there watching. Just there watching. Believe it or not, though, a police officer could do that, too. They have no duty to do their job. No. A police officer can't be sued for not doing, uh, not stepping in or not doing the job well. Uh, Reginald Denny was how I learned that case. That was one of my first cases. We were representing Reginald Denny, if you remember the riots. He was oh, just yeah. massacred. Oh, and, the, you know, the police yeah. were right around the corner doing nothing. And, you know, we represented him on very different, many different theories, all of which ultimately got thrown out of court, some more soon than others. But I learned that there is no duty that the police have to provide police protection. But, see, that's the question I have for Stan. So, Stan, I mean, without, again, you said it very eloquently, without saying anything against the people that were the bystanders in this particular instance, is there some sort of moral, deeper, or higher Ooh. responsibility of the people that are there? Right. It is for me because I believe, you know, I have a personal spiritual connection. I'm not, you know, a minister, but, you know, there is for me. You know, there's a thing called liberty. There's a thing called responsibility. Amen. There's Amen a thing to that. called B-A-L-L-S. And I don't mean that in a, in a disrespectful manner because there are so many strong women officers and strong women citizens. So let's not go there. But, you know, there's, there's such a thing as like, I'm not going to let this happen. Like if you're out with your kids or, or, or your wife, you know, or, or anybody. Right. But of course, Stan, I have to I have to just tell you, it's different if the person is a cop. Stan, right. thank you so much for calling. Thanks, Stan. Uh, we it. really want to appreciate your sentiment and your heart. Stay with us, brother. I think you're going to change the world. Lynette, thanks for holding. Uh, wanted to welcome you to A Nation Divided. Hi, um, I can probably understand your frustration because it's felt by so many people. Uh, but, folks, if you'd like to join the discussion, yeah. we're not going to take one side or another. Believe it or not, we are not. We don't. It's 1-800-222-5222, 1-800-222-KBC. Talk to us, Lynette. Should citizens have the yeah. power? Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Always good to hear from you, girl. Likewise. You know, if I had a car and if I was driving, a, per- a person driving, I would have took my car and ran the cops over. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I would not want to meet you no, that way. No. You know, Kristen May That's attempted murder. That. that is attempted murder of more yeah, than one person. Law enforcement, you've got the, the deadly weapon there. You don't want to be in that cage, no, Lynette. They no. put you in a cage for that. But Because but, you know what? Our system of justice is on trial. And you can go anywhere in the United States of America and find the same stuff that goes on in Los Angeles going on in Minnesota. Like, but it, it, you, I do have to tell people, though, Lynette. And we, you we, know that sheriff we got building the way of, he trying to stop the inspector general from doing his job because we were doing the way we want to get rid of the game. All right, Lynette, now hold on, Lynette. You're going off on a tangent. Lynette, and not everybody understands municipal politics like we do. Like we do. But I just want to bring you back to this basic point. Uh, we do have problems, but I have to, the listeners just have to know this thing that happened in Minnesota doesn't happen regularly. This is not something that just happens with people Bring getting a knee on the neck for a 10 minute period. Uh, the way that people usually die is they get shot. And if it's going to be some form of asphyxiation, that does happen, not as much as it used to, but the way that it happens is you got a person that's in a handcuffed in a prone position 
and you have usually pressure being applied downward on right. the back, usually in the form of a knee. Sometimes it's those big Samoan cops, like the big the kind of, and they're putting a lot of pressure. And I think oftentimes when that happens, wouldn't you characterize that as something that's sort of unintentional? Like it's a lot of times either an officer's not trained or they don't know what's going on or it's really crazy. It, it's somewhere in the middle because yeah. they really, they're kind of mad and they're trying to hurt kind him but mad, not kill right. him. But they're right. just like, but they want to make a statement, but they're not trying to kill the person. But the concept was called positional asphyxia. Right. And the person on the ground can't breathe. So they're they're struggling to breathe. And the person on the top is saying, stop resisting. And the person on the bottom is moving, trying to breathe. And the person on the top says, stop resisting. Yeah, stop resisting. And it keeps right. going back and forth until the person stops moving. And then the per- and and they could be dead at that point. Up. They'll right. stiffen up, too. That's one of the things you'll feel when you're get- if you're doing a blood choke on a guy. You can actually feel him stiffen up. <laughs> and you might think he's fighting you, but <laughs> he's really not. My goodness, uh, Jim is a, uh, is it a fourth or fifth Don? Yeah, anyway. Don't go there, but I mean, the point is that that happens. All right, Lynette, I wanted to get back yeah. to you, though. Do you think that we should be looking at the law differently? Can, can I interject here? Yes, you may. Yes, you may. I didn't mean to send you guys on a tangent. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> oh, no. Keep going, Lynette. We love it when you call. Go. But it's bad when you got to call the police on the police, and that's what happened. You know, right. that's where we at in this country. We got to right. be honest. And then the people that's way up, like, being the waiver and the chief and all of them and D.A. Jackie Lacey, I mean, they She's not the DA anymore. themselves are yeah. not getting rid of the white supremacists and the, the gangbangers and, and the, and the uh, police and the sheriffs, you know. So well, Lynette, we always appreciate when you call. Thank you for calling A Nation Divided. Uh, we've Thank got you, a Lynette. full board. We're going we to have go. to move it forward. But thanks again for calling. Got about a minute left here? Yeah, uh, we've got about a minute before the break. And when we get back, uh, we're going to get to uh, Teddy. He's been holding. We're going to get to you first after the break. And, and folks, if you'd like to join the discussion, I do think we're going to be able to get to everybody. You can reach us at 1-800-222-KBC, 1-800-222-5222. It's kind of an interesting concept because as a person who you would think would take the position in favor, I don't think it would be a good idea. My, <laughs> yeah, my personal belief that. is yeah. that I do not think it would be wise to empower citizens to interfere with police. And I'm a civil rights lawyer. Uh, I just see the way people get killed, and I see the way that hat that plays out. And a lot of times, it plays out because of some real or perceived uh, act of disrespect. Well, I think and to too, keep that line where it is will save lives, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, but for you too, though, and I got to jump in and get into your own head. But I mean, I've, I've heard you say this too many times. You believe in the concept of order. I mean, we have a system, and the system must play itself out, and there has to be order in that system. Right. And and you really believe in that, and I know that you do, and I do too. I mean, I. Th- but that's Jim, at the true. same time, I can't watch that video. But it's this humanity. I cannot thing, watch right? it. Right. That's the problem. It's humanity. And the idea is it's just a little too much. It's you develop much. emotional calluses to survive in this line of work that we do. Well, folks, we're going to be right back after the break. Uh, again, we're going to get to everyone who's been holding. Folks, if you'd like to join the discussion, we've got a real soft, wonderful conversation. Mm-hmm. 1-800-222-KBC. What is the right thing? It's real, man. This is What's in your heart? What is the, what's in your there heart? There you go, baby. There you go. See? You're, cha- you're changing me, B. I'm getting soft. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. We'll be right back, folks. Welcome back, folks. This is a nation divided. Coming to you live from Culver City. We are AM Talk Radio 790. The question of the day, should a citizen have the authority to intervene if a police officer is breaking the law in that citizen's presence? Uh, much more complicated than anyone may think. Teddy from Burbank, you've been holding for a minute. I want to thank you so much for calling, brother. We are dying to know what you think. Hello, Teddy. Okay, I grew up in Oakland. 
I went to predominantly black schools. Mm -hmm. I created the first boycott in the history of the Oakland public schools against a racist principal. And that was in the 50s. Wow. I don't, first of all, you know, I'm a microbiologist, and I, I can tell you that he had three times the level of fentanyl, a, a death dose. In tell, him. tell our yeah. listeners uh, what fentanyl yeah, is. It's a fentanyl. sedative. And uh, tell, tell our listeners who may not be familiar with the effects that that has on the body. Well, they use it in surgery to knock you out completely. Yeah, it, it's so. basically a very, folks, it's a very powerful depressant, a very powerful downer. I think that uh, Michael Jackson might have had some of that going on when he, when he passed no, away. No, he had propofol. Uh, I'm sorry. All right, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Yeah, they're both. They're both it was Prince. Oh, it's Prince. It has been Prince. If you have a choice, take fentanyl because propofol causes you to become uh, incontinent. So you don't want to take that. But... <laughs> The fact is that this guy had a high dosage of that, enough apparently to kill a horse from what I've seen. Now, also, uh, there are two camera angles here. One camera angle that appears is his uh, knee is on the neck and the other one is on his shoulder blade. I mean, there are lots of things that haven't been discussed on the news media that like to make, you know, these... Yeah, but Teddy, let me Teddy. Let's just ask to get to get back onto the question that we're asking here again. I mean, can would you would you deny? Well, first of all, hang on, Teddy. Let me ask this question. First of all, just would you even deny that just from the average ordinary citizen's perspective, from the layperson's perspective, and it seems pretty much across the board that without having any other knowledge, it appears that this thing is way too excessive and it feels like something that should be stopped when it's occurring. Would you at least agree that people okay. feel that? Okay, let me address that. Okay. You know, so if we adhere to that type of thinking, you've got trained police officers there. I know nothing about uh, that particular area, but I do know a lot about Los Angeles. And these guys are trained. You had four officers there and not one of those four interceded. They should be as guilty mm-hmm. as as Chauvin. That's a good point. Uh, that's a good point. It's a great okay. point. They have a that's responsibility, right? That's my perspective, right? that yeah. these guys are sitting around watching this guy saying he can't breathe. That now is, That is deep. He said, he said he couldn't breathe when he was inside the police car. So there clearly was a medical issue here. And you remember that he downed all the tablets when he was you know in well, his well that, ha- that hasn't been proven teddy hey, hold on hold on hold on i, I gotta put a hard stop yeah, on that because on that, that really has not been proven it hasn't been proven that he ingested anything in in the car uh however yeah. he did you are correct that he had the the fentanyl uh, in his system um yeah. and but one of the things i wanted to elaborate on that you brought up is one of those officers uh told uh chauvin we have it on tape that he said hey man he doesn't have a pulse and he can't, can't and also, stop that and, and then was like, he stopped breathing yeah right. there's two different things there they, right. that he, he kept putting the for another on. four and a half minutes that was he after he was told by a fellow officer he didn't yeah have i mean a the pulse. thing teddy's bringing up yeah. is a great point and we haven't really touched on this is the responsibility of those other officers as people I think that were that's there with a authority. big point here guys because you know these are trained officers and they should have stopped it, and they did not. Well, you know, you are absolutely right. And that was the first thing that struck me yeah. was that you why are they saying. there? Yeah, we talked about uh, that. But they're rookies. Ago, and, you know, ago. the thing is that the the way that the police agencies work in many municipalities, just period, is that they have to stick together. And if you have a senior officer 
a a rookie officer or a new officer simply uh, can't get in the way of that person or they can't interrupt them or they're going to have a very short career. Of course, it goes Uh, back to that same thing about the concept of a military uh, personnel following the orders of or standing by while some unlawful act is committed. And it's the very same thing. I agree with you 100% on that. But I think that the medical evidence should come out. Right. You know, well, and that's Teddy, not do you being think that was, do you was think being that, shown is a constant barrage right. of the knee either on his back or on his throat. Now, in the autopsy, his larynx wasn't crushed. Now, normally, I used to take karate growing up in Oakland. You know, if you if you damage that particular area of your throat, it's like a toilet paper tube, and it collapses. It has to be manually reopened again. Mm-hmm. So if there's no crushing there, I think it falls into the into the area of the amount of fentanyl he had. Well, we have a lot of experts that are going to talk about that. They, and they have already talked about they it. They have already. The question yeah. always is going to be, uh, Teddy, is that if none of this had happened, if he was just walking down the street, mm-hmm. would he have died that day? And the idea is it's almost certain that he would not have. And the idea that he was a vulnerable person really does not take the responsibility away uh, from the officer to use reasonable force under the circumstances. Now, the idea that the officer uh, may or may not have known he was killing him or may or may not have intended to kill him is something for the jury to decide. But the concept of force always has to yield to the concept of the act of resistance. And if there is no more resistance, if the person is subdued, there's not a police agency in the world that will authorize the continued use of force right. under those circumstances. And so in that, and so to kind of circle this back around to what we've been talking about, it, it goes like this. Maybe the citizen on the street doesn't know that that is the use of force policy, but that is the use of force policy. Right. So effectively at that point, he's committing an unlawful act, right. even though he is in uh, the, he's, he's, uh, he's on duty, right? I mean, he's, he's in the, during the course of exercising his duty as a police officer. So then we come back to the same question again, responsibility and or potential should there be right of the citizens that are there, which we're not talking about the average ordinary thing. And this isn't just a guy that got pulled over and a police officer was giving him a, a, a speeding ticket or even they have pulled him down and it's a potential theft and someone's wrestling around. They don't know what's going on. This thing, as you said, happened over a long period of time. It was very clear to the people that were there. They were all – every single person was traumatized that watched this thing happen. At what point does not just the other officer standing around but the people that are watching it happen have a responsibility, just a moral responsibility? And I agree with you, but if you go back to World War II, you see a lot of my relatives that are in the Polish ghetto – and wow, my condolences, man. My condolences, Teddy. There. That was about the worst place you could be yeah, in that right. during that time period. I want to give you my condolences to be in that part of the world during those years. Anyway, go ahead. Unbelievable. But I think that the change has to be in the police department where they say you have a personal responsibility as an officer, regardless of your rank, to stop an act that's going to result in the death of a civilian. Amen. Well, thank you so much for calling, Teddy. We really appreciate you. And and along those lines, one of the things that... Thank you so much for calling, Teddy. Yeah. He brought up a lot of things. The immediate 
response was condemnation. Yes. From instant from the higher ups from the and in the, city, the Minneapolis mayor, police department they all instantly came out. So it's we're not saying that justice has not occurred or will not occur in this incident. Right. But again, George Floyd isn't going to get to enjoy this justice. I mean, this isn't going to. He's not going. His family can only just know that maybe justice has been served in the end, but he's still gone. Well, one of the dilemmas that a good cop faces is to speak out or to not speak out when they see something happening that's wrong. And the code of silence is so incredibly powerful because what it ultimately does is that it just, it absolves the act of excessive force because a person uh, is going to have to make a decision uh, to write down something that they saw or didn't see in a police report, or they're going to have to testify and what they really are expected to do is lie and say that the force was reasonable by blaming the person that's the victim of the force. They're expected to Man. lie in police reports. They're expected to lie on the stand. I love the They're point expected to lie for the greater good of the department. Well, look at it from the res- – again, going back to responsibility of citizens. I mean maybe part of our problem here is, is that we're not creating an environment, and I don't just mean the police force or the government, but as citizens – where police officers that are good police officers don't have the room to do that. Right. They don't have the room to act, even in that particular incident. Again, maybe a bunch of those citizens, they're standing around and they are ready to take action. Maybe those three police officers would know, hey, right. someone's got my back. I know this is a wrong thing there and I want to stop it, but I'm not going to get hung out to drive because these other citizens are, are with me. But I can tell you that is such a great point. I, I've seen so many changes in the 26 years I've been doing this. And uh, James and Conrad, we're going to get to you guys after yep, the break. Coming to you. Uh, but we, we, we're just going to we're going to go up into the hour and then we're going to get to you guys right after the break. But I did want to point out that things people too often say that everything uh, is terrible or screwed. things have really improved they dramatically. Have. Yeah, they have. Uh, I think the LAPD, which was, you know, pretty much the bellwether for officer involved shootings for a long time. Oh they, gosh, they're yeah, about was, less yeah. than half of where they were. Yeah. Uh, and less than half of the bad shootings are happening now than in the 90s when I started. The rates are coming down dramatically. Yeah. And we're seeing police officers not, they're sitting there in reports, and I've actually seen actual instances where they say, I didn't see a threat, and not get persecuted for it. Yeah. They didn't, you know, I didn't shoot, why didn't you shoot? I didn't see the same threat. I didn't see the same it threat. It doesn't mean I'm turning my back on my partner. No. Even though I was right there, seeing right, the same thing right, that the right, person right, saw. Right, right, right. But what we're what is happening, folks, and folks really need to understand that we are making strides, moving in the right direction in this area. Uh, we're going to be back uh, after the hour with with a lot more of this discussion, folks, and we're going to kind of get into the concept of you know should a uh, rank and file police officer that's not caught on tape, that is not the subject of a national controversy, be charged for murder uh, when they're involved in a shooting uh, of an unarmed person that really doesn't pose a threat. Uh, we're going to want to talk to everyone who wants to talk to us. We'll be right back. We are so proud. AM Talk Radio 790. You are listening to A Nation Divided, coming to you fresh, clean, and new from Culver City. I am Brian Thomas Dunn Esquire, with my best friend in the free world, Mr. James Oates. 
How you feeling today, brother? I'm going to get my vaccine this week, B. I'm feeling really good about it. All right. Hope wanna... nothing bad happens between now and the vaccine. Want to get all those masks taken off. Get out of this mask world that we're living in. Get back to normal. Actually, brother, the sad reality is you're still going to have to be dealing with that mask no, for tell the me foreseeable no. thought... future. Wait, I thought I could just take my mask off. Once I get the vaccine, I'm done, right? Uh, not. What? It, sadly, no. Come there on. are variants of the, of the thing that can mess you up there are all kinds of strange situations that can continue to happen interesting so yeah we're probably going to be uh in a mask filled world for at least another year well i'm still going to get the vaccine so folks we wish that you will all get the vaccine apparently it's going to be available to everyone it is now uh, within the yeah. month. Yeah, like it's, it's like certain parts of California they've opened it up, and we can get them around here too. Yeah, you've got your actually, you've had both shots, right? Oh no, I, I'm going to get my second one next week. Oh I yeah, the first yeah. one. You've only had your first one, yeah. But the, the idea is, folks, when you just think about everything that we've been through in the last year, I mean, from when we be, began to consider uh, this Corona thing, and it it, we, it was something that we were in denial about for you so never long. Never would have guessed it would have gone this long. We never. had a we had a show once where we bet if it would be three hundred people dying, oh, yeah. And, yeah. and you know if it would get to the three hundreds, and that was about. If you just think about it, it's been half a million people. We had a show where we actually made fun of it. We had a show like in January where we <laughs> thought it was a completely made up thing. Right. right. Yeah. So, folks, it just goes to show how times change and how we have to be hypervigilant and always, uh, as my mother says, be alert at all times because things can change. Yes, indeed. So, in terms of what's dominating the news, we've all uh, been inundated with the events that have happened in Minneapolis. Uh, They have been at the topic of pretty much every news story has led with it this week on some level or, or another. You've been on the air a lot. You've yeah, been on local I've, TV, national TV, radio. You've well, been all over talking about you it. You know, it's crazy, Jim. I've been doing uh, these cases for 26 years now, mostly in obscurity. The yes. vast majority of the things I've done, no one's seen, but it's just like now people want to know about it, uh, which is which is interesting. Uh, but what's really, really interesting is how people are starting to understand what has happened only uh, behind closed doors, only in the dark, only in uh, the alleys, only in situations where no one's watching. Now people are becoming aware of some of these things. And that's the world is turning. Yeah, the world is turning. People are they're aware, I think, now that this has always happened in one form or another. They just didn't see it. And you ask, how does that happen? I mean, what is it that causes a situation like this to rise to the forefront of the public consciousness And then you go back to that horrific video and you think, how could all of these events align such that the entire world will see an act of torture, basically, taking place over a nine and a half minute period where an individual slowly is killed. And I do mean slowly uh, in live action. You know, well, we've done shows on the body cam. I remember. Do you remember we did a show maybe almost two years ago now, but we did a show talking about the change in perception in the public because of the advent of the video on the right. phone. And then now you got the body cam thing. But there's clear it's clear that this would never have come to light if people had not been videotaping this video on, on their phone. Absolutely. Would have never, we would never know. We would not even have the perspective to see what was really happening. And, you know, why does this happen? And I I always try to think about not just things happening, uh, but why are they happening? And 
I think that, you know, the universe remembers when there is an act of injustice. It's like even though horrible things happen and people know that what is happening is wrong, there's this sense of frustration because so often nobody knows or the only the mother knows or only one family is aware of what's happening. But the reality is, I think that the universe remembers and it, it there's the concept of justice somehow is always inextricably intertwined with truth, like just showing, shining a light on something that would have previously been in the dark. Absolutely. Of course. I mean, it goes without saying that what when people saw this happen, right, they instantly knew it was wrong. Right. And then it it must also be true that this has happened before. It and people have. have to start coming to grips with that. I think for a lot of years, and I, I know you've talked about it with your cases that you've done over the years, that the biggest problem you've had with people that are sitting in the jury is they just can't believe right. that this would occur. You know, Well, obviously, if the police officer did it, there was something going on. There you was know, some reason why. That's the classic thing they would say. I think people are starting to change their attitude on that. Well, they are. And I'm so happy that you brought that up because that was the source of so much suffering. <laughs> For me, yeah. uh, because I remember these internal conversations. I, you know, we, we would prove scientifically that this individual was running, that he got shot in the back. Uh, there's no way he could have been facing the officer. The use of force policy clearly states that the officer shouldn't do it, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, you know, we're talking to the jurors afterwards and they say, well, why did he run? Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm like, why did you shoot him? It doesn't and they're matter. like, well, yeah. why did he run? If he didn't do something right. wrong, he wouldn't have run. Yeah. But the, the, implication or the subtext is is that if you disobey a police officer you have invited uh, any form of retribution up to and including death well in fact that's what our law essentially does say right i mean that's what it says it's the penal codes in the state of california it's 148 right that if you re- if you resist the officer in here or prohibit him from doing Resisting, his duty, obstructing or delaying an officer yeah, in right. the lawful performance of his duty so it's in the law yes it's in the law so i mean then it just it stands to reason that people would say oh well then in all cases but you know somehow that seems to be shifting a little bit. yeah maybe and you know to see this happen um in my lifetime i think is is pretty remarkable but but folks, we're going to talk about a few things in, involving uh, the situation in Minnesota. But one of the things that we're going to get at kind of right away is there were how many people was it just there were a oh, handful of people that were just around yeah. civilians watching this. And they were the people that were all on in the first week of this right. trial, right? They were right. actually on the stand talking about it. And it was gut wrenching to hear some of these people talk right. about feeling helpless, that they couldn't do anything about it. Right. And I tell you what's interesting to me, and we were talking about this right before the show, is that what came to mind when I was listening to just a little bit of that, what I kept replaying in my mind was the tape of Flight 91. Yeah, you know, September 11th, yeah, right? Yeah, he's talking about the... Uh, the, the United the, Flight. It's the right. last flight. The other three planes have already gone into buildings. They've gone into the Pentagon. Right. And the, these helpless people are on this plane, and they're receiving these terrible phone calls and the cell phone from their family saying, right. you know, there's been another one, and they said another one and another plane. And then what happened was enough of our American citizens got together. And, and it was said, game on, baby. They said, game on. stop this, whatever it takes, right. because we know what's going to happen here, and we're not going to let it happen with and, us. And we're going to die anyway, so we and might I, as well yes. do what we can to protect our I fellow kept citizens. I thinking that when I was listening to these people. I'm, I, You know, it's a different situation, sure, but is it that different? I mean, certainly, you know, the people were faced with a situation where they had to make a decision about whether to take action or not, and it's a hard situation 
Well, no, the, what makes it different, brother, is that it's a cop. That's right. And, and that, that's really, you've got law enforcement. And that is what makes it different. So one of the first questions that we're going to really talk about today is, should citizens under certain circumstances really have the legal authority to intervene when a police officer is breaking the law? And I'm not talking about other police officers. I'm talking about other citizens. Yes, right. Because we we heard the testimony from this MMA fighter, uh, and he testified in the first week. It was pretty poignant. He was talking about the fact that he can't sleep at night. He feels all of these emotions because he had it well within his ability to tackle the officer. Had it in his ability. He also knew what was going on. Right. It was clear to him that this thing was wrong. He had the training to understand what was Ooh, happening. The training, good point. Yes. yes. But it was it was law enforcement. Yeah, it's law enforcement. And and I'm happy he didn't because I think they would have been planning two funerals instead of one that's if he the, had. That's if he exactly had. right. Yeah, the poor guy would end up being gone as well. But he's still struggling with that. So, you know, as we move into the 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 discussion, folks, like, just think about this. We're going to have a discussion about this to, uh, next few minutes. Should a citizen, just a regular Joe, have the legal authority to stop a sworn police officer when it is obvious Very that, clear that sworn that police officer is breaking yeah. the law? It's it's not an easy question, not easy. folks. We're going to be taking your calls in, in just a few minutes. We'll be right back. Be back. Continuing that yacht rock theme, you know how it is, baby. Bill Ambrosia coming at you. Uh, I was a, I had a happy childhood. I'm man. telling you, man. I gotta say, I, I was the happy. Seventies were this awesome. <laughs> yeah, things didn't get bad till later, yeah. but they did get bad. Seventies yeah. <laughs> were cool. Yeah. So, folks, we're coming back now. We are KBCAM Talk Radio 790. You're listening to a nation divided on a mellow Saturday. Very mellow. Chilling with my boy, my best friend, Mr. James Oates, chopping up the events of the week. And we have predictably seized on the Floyd trial and all of the implications that this has, not just for our country, but uh, for humanity. And in the idea of the law, I've dedicated my life and soul and body to the law. It's constantly changing. It doesn't just stay where it is. You know, there's people that are probably still in prison right. for crimes like selling yeah. pot and stuff it's that aren't totally even illegal, illegal now, yeah, anymore. Right. You know? We, know, we know they are. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, but the idea is the law should always kind of conform to where we, we are morally as a society and kind of yes. what we're thinking. And the idea that we have a group of people uh, that are above the law. And in many ways, uh, when I say law enforcement officers are above the law, it doesn't mean that they cannot be prosecuted as we're seeing. That's right. But what it does mean is that there's a very different scenario than is uh, present for a citizen. Like, for example, if I were kneeling on a person in the same manner that we saw the officer, Derek, average ordinary guy, you're not a police officer. I would these citizens would kick the snot out of me, and after just they people that, would come around. I just there right. would be old ladies hitting me with canes, man. It's just like and it, it would people right. would not let it happen. And after they did that, you'd be put in handcuffs, and then another guy who's a police officer might would, do the would, exact same thing to you. Right? And you know it should yeah. be done to me if I'm trying to yeah. kill if somebody. You're trying to do it to someone else, of uh, course. Yeah, I, I would expect that you know humans would prevent that from happening. Uh, but in this case, the guy's got a uniform, he's got a gun, he's got the official authority. Uh, of the of the city behind right. him and and the 
the the people are powerless to act under those circumstances. And should that be? Yes. You know, is that right? Should people uh, under these circumstances? Well, I have know, a very strong opinion, which I, I will give later. But. I know you do, and of course, and I do too. But in my my take on it's a little bit different. And obviously, you know, and I, you both you and I are historic. You know, we. Yeah. amateur historians well you like, got me into that really yeah, actually right. but you know both of us are and we and of course for us the big when we were kids back in the 70s the big thing was the vietnam war yeah. and uh, i think most people knew about melee right, right. the melee uh incident the, the tell problems. everybody about what it was yeah so i mean basically it, was, it happened in 1968 and the, and the idea is that there were u.s troops that had gone into this village in south vietnam and they took this village and by force and there was a gun battle and then afterwards civilians were rounded up and the estimates were somewhere between 350 and 500 civilians and a second lieutenant said he claimed that he was ordered to kill all of these civilians now the whole point and, and 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 he was court martialed and he was found guilty of murder but what happened folks is it was a straight massacre it was a massacre and if you could just for a minute think about what that is is people that are standing up doing nothing right women and children just getting cut down by machine guns small arms fire that is very horrific and personal go ahead brother. but now here's the thing and this is the same for you as it is for me you and i talk about this stuff a lot we're not banging up the soldiers in the field for having to do that and vietnam was crazy and and it is it's an can't even imagine being in that same scenario. Right, right, right. And right. then you're in the same scenario, and you're doing all of this stuff, and then you're being given direct orders from your commanding officer, and so then what do you do, right? I mean, you've been given an order, but what what brings this to light for me in this discussion is what we were talking about before the show, is that there it, it, the, the, there's a military code of conduct, and office, a, a soldier takes an oath, right? And he takes an oath to defend the, the Constitution, the United States, against all enemies, foreign, domestic. He takes an oath to follow dir- direct orders, follow orders from the president and a superior officer, but in accordance with regulations in the military code of justice, i.e., he cannot follow an unlawful order. And guys get banged up for that, and in right. this instance, that happens. So you've got a guy who's following an order that he was given, but it's an unlawful order. So in my mind, I extend that logic and I say, okay, let's flip this around. You're a a civilian, you're on the street, and you're watching a police officer do something and it's wrong. Right. Now, the police officer, of course, has to have absolute authority, and our penal code says that you can't interfere with that guy, and the law is clear about that. But at the same time, at what point has the police officer essentially surrendered his rights as a police officer, because he's committing what is effectively an unlawful act. Well, it, it's a deep question. It's deep, man. But, but in order true. to really understand the implications of how that would play out in the street, you have to understand a few things. Number one, what, I, I know how police kill people because I've dedicated so much of my time into seeing how it plays out. Right. And this is something that usually happens very quickly. It happens in a span of maybe 10 seconds or the average, less. like when it's a shooting when it's, a, when it's, a, when a, it's concept a typically of, yes. firearm right involved and it just happens so fast breakdown in communication escalation escalation and then and it happens really in the blink of an eye you can see it coming if you're astute but usually you're dealing with a mentally ill person this is how right. people really get killed typically, by the police folks the it's usually scenario. some yeah there's a person that can't understand what's going on right 
Uh, the officer uh, is dealing with a, a conflagration of emotions in his head because he's afraid, he's angry, he doesn't know what's happening. People usually do what they what he tells them to do. And there is a, some kind of a sudden movement and a hail of gunfire. That's the way it happens, folks. That's the way in the street, in the real world. It doesn't happen over a 10-minute period uh, with a person uh, being in broad daylight. Uh, slowly uh, asphyxiated. In fact, I, I think in a I've, public area. I think before, and I've seen it when your cases, and I can't remember which case it was, and I, you probably couldn't even say on the air. But I, re- I can remember having an expert witness for the defense counsel saying that the amount of time that it takes for a person to make the decision to pull the trigger and right. then physically see with their eyes, and then the whole event happens, that you make that decision so many seconds before the actual event occurs right. and in between there's no way to stop it like a human can't think that once fast. that tripwire gets set right. in motion it's going to happen but but this but is the different. idea is it's totally, this is a different situation totally unpredictable and it is completely uh it, it is usually something that even if a citizen were going to intervene there's no way it could happen i mean right. logically speaking if we empowered people to interrupt law enforcement officers that may be breaking the law, you have created such a impossibly unworkable situation. I love the because it, yes, you cannot. The way that the police act in the field is they're reacting basically to things that are in a fluid uh, motion, and things are changing and constantly. People are these aren't situations like we have in Minnesota where. You have time to deliberate and think. This is a ten minute, nine and a half minute encounter where all of this is happening in front of a lot of people. That is not the way it happens normally. But even further to the point, I love what you said before. You checked me on this thing about the, the military. You said, look, the reality is, is we could not have an effective military right. force if we had every soldier right. questioning the reasoning for every order that he was given. Yeah, soldiers should not be saying why. Yeah, that, they, That's just not something that they should exactly. be saying. And in, the, in fact, there have been those examples. I had looked up an example where there was a guy who had basically filed suit against the federal government because he was going to be deployed to Kuwait. And he said, I don't want to have to fight over there. And I think yeah, it's an unlawful order. And the Supreme Court threw it out. Yeah, can't do that. So, yeah. folks, when we get back, we're going to be taking your calls. Um, we have a, a lot of things we want to talk about. We want to talk about the concept of murder and, you know, uh, should should uh, police be charged with murder? Uh, how does when, a person they kill even someone? get to it? And how, how do they, they kill? get to the exactly. place Ooh. where they can do this? But, but the idea that we want to start off with, folks, and if you'd like to join the discussion, uh, we're going to open up the phone lines uh, after the break. Uh, you can reach us at 1-800-222-KBC. 1-800-222-5222. And we're going to just talk about an abstract concept. I'd love it if some law enforcement officers would call. I know that I I hear rumors that they listen to the show. Yeah, we get some guys calling in every once in a while. And see, that's the thing, because it's one thing to talk about this stuff in the abstract right. so easily right. and safely removed from it. It's another thing to actually be the guy there on the ground when this stuff happens. Exactly. And what type of a chaotic situation would we invite if we actually did say, okay, we are going to empower citizens to interfere with a police officer if it is determined that the police officer is breaking the law. And that is such a Pandora's box. But just so you know, if you're trying to do that now, please don't. You yeah, will go don't, to jail. Don't, don't okay, do And yeah. you may get killed is, in the process. The law please. is clear on this. There is no... 
there there is no ambiguity on this. Well, it doesn't matter why. I mean, the only the only reason is is that if there's not probable cause, and that's a very very far stretch. Well, California to go. has the loosest statute in the world. <laughs> really do, if you are resisting, so obstructing, yeah. or delaying yeah. an officer, you are the law, done. do not do this. In that the means state if of he says, "I want you to turn left," and you say, "Why?" They can blo- they can violate you. <laughs> yeah, just we don't want to get in trouble on this thing, man. We'd be very clear. Don't so do this yeah, this is a situation that we're talking about in the abstract, That's hypothetical, right. twilight zone right. kind of thing. But, you know, in that one situation that you're seeing play out in Minneapolis, what was the it does, you kind of wonder, there's, there's all of those people that are standing around yeah. watching this. Yeah. So, folks, that's going to be the other topic of discussion. And, and as we move into just the idea of what is really happening in, in Floyd, uh, we're going to expand it a little bit as we move forward and, and talk about, you know, the idea of murder. Uh, if a police officer uh, kills a person and it is intentional, uh, should that police officer be charged like everyone else uh, I, with, I, with with murder? I keep coming back to that thing. We were talking about this before the show is that think about this. And I, and I really want people that are listening to think about this. What does it take for a person to get to, to the point kill. where they're going to kill somebody? I mean, so deep. A, another human being. Right. Yeah. You know, you get mad. It could happen in an instant. Like you talk about with the gunshot. You know, maybe you hit somebody really, really hard because you're mad and it kills them. And you didn't right. mean to. Right. But. I mean, this thing, when you watch it on video over and over and over again. It is on purpose, again, bro. They've made, he's made a decision. Totally it's like, on okay, purpose. It's going to stay there, right? Don't even, have a, don't even care what happens after this. Right. It's going to stay there. And the typical way that a bad police shooting happens, well, the way that deadly forces usually meet it out is with a firearm. Right. And the way that it happens is a police officer kills someone or a group of police officers kills someone who turns out to be unarmed. Tactically, their approach was ridiculous. Yeah. And, and that this happen- was preventable. And this happens to the minority, but it does happen. These things do happen. They've right. They've been happening forever. And, you know, should it be a crime? I mean, you have taken someone's life. Right. All right, folks. We got a whole lot of wonderful things to talk about. Yeah, unpack it. Try to remember we love you. And if you'd like to weigh in, you can reach us at 1-800-222-5222. 1-800-222-KBC. Let's light this fire, folks. We're going to be right back. Ambrosia. Come on. Welcome back, folks. We are AM Talk Radio 790. Listen to it, Nation Divided. I'm Brian Dunn, my best friend, Mr. James Oates, chopping up the events of the week. Indeed we are. Question de jour. Should a citizen have the legal authority to interfere with a police officer when the police officer is doing wrong, breaking the law? And uh, obviously the tipping point uh, for this discussion has uh, been set off in, in Minnesota. We all see this video, and we are empathizing with the uh, pain of the people that are watching this and powerless and helpless to do anything about it. I'm going to go to the phones, Let's and uh, we're going to get to everybody. Stan from Venice. Uh, Lynette, you're going to be next. Thank you so much for calling, Stan. Hello, Stan. Welcome to A Nation Divided, brother. We are dying to know what you think. Thank you so much. A very important discussion. I don't think there's an American or even a citizen in the world that wouldn't have been screaming. You know, that's a spectacle you can check. You've got them in cuffs. Get off of them. Good I'm point. not being critical of the 
folks on the scene because I wasn't there, mind you. You know, I did not hear that. I did not hear a bunch of citizens screaming at at that at at Officer Chauvin and those other two officers. You know, this has got to stop. This has got to stop. That suspect is clearly under control. You know, people were saying exactly those exact things, Stan. They really were. It's just so heartbreaking. You know, it's just so heartbreaking. I don't have a solution, but I'd like to add something, and I don't want this to be a distraction. But you know, I live in Venice, where Hunter Biden is. There mm-hmm. are citizens' arrest protocols that are legal, you know, and I feel a very weird sense of responsibility mixed with a sense of cognitive dissonance. Right. Because I've right. seen evidence of tremendous things that he filmed himself that I don't want, I'm not going to get into Well, Stan, I got to tell you something. Just the heart that you're showing me right now is going to change the country. I mean, see, the, the, the horse leads the carriage, and... If a person is coming to a situation from a place of compassion and they actually have a deep level of feeling for people on both sides of it, that will dictate the right law, the right action, the right tactic. The idea is not everybody has that, but you talked about citizen's arrest, Jim. You know something about that, right? Well, I mean, just a little bit of it, but I know, obviously, yeah, like in the state of California, it's the in the penal code, it's a penal code 837. But basically, I mean, the idea yeah. is that there are rules that govern when you can do this thing, but the standards are very, very high for a person to do this. And, and you, when you do this thing, you've got to be clear. If you commit a citizen's if you if you perform a citizen's arrest, you're committing yes. yourself to you're opening up all kinds of li- potential right. liability. And also, the I person understand. might not want to be arrested. They might not want to be arrested. <laughs> and, and the number one thing, and that kind of goes back to the number one thing about it, is that you've got to have it's uh, the uh, of utmost importance is the safety of the person that you're supposed to you're supposedly are apprehending. But then the problem is, is that that's kind of like what it is for a police officer too. Except it's very right. clear in the state of California, Penal Code One Forty Eight. You cannot interfere with a police officer, and that goes that that overrules the police right. the, the citizens arrest concept. Well, it's also, I mean, I have to throw the race card, and I grew up black. It was the age of nine that I first had a police officer shove a gun into in my face. face. And I'll never forget you telling me. I, I will. Uh, I'm not going to ever get anywhere near a cop. If I can no. help it, just right. generally. Yeah. But the idea of starting something with a cop, forget yeah. about it, man. Exactly. It's just, it wouldn't even occur to me. But, but Stan, do you think that maybe we should be looking at this a little bit differently in the eyes of the law? Well, I do, absolutely. But I think that it's a real conundrum if you, you know, let the general public know that you can intercede with an officer. Right. Because there already is a procedure and a protocol, and there should be right. for accountability. There's a badge. There's a number. There's a lot of cameras. And there's a, a there, I, there, I'm too upset. I'm too upset. I'm not a professional news personality. I'm too upset to watch the trial. But there is a trial going on, you know, and the system is the system. You know, it's not like they're unaccountable case managers or this or that or people that we can't track. But Stan, Stan, I got a question for you because you you alluded to it right when you started. And I want to hit you in the head with this thing, this idea of responsibility. So we know that I believe justice is going to be played out in this instance. I think it's clear that that's going to happen. And I trust the system. I believe in the system and that will occur. But You've got to set justice aside when you're talking about the life of another human being. So George Floyd doesn't get to be around to enjoy the justice that's going to occur. Right. So now there's a responsibility, right? I mean, the, the example would be the Good Samaritan laws that exist in other states and the idea that if you 
see someone injured and or maybe you even injured them well, yourself, yeah. like saying a car accident, right. you have a responsibility yeah. to we that person. Yeah, we want to encourage a person. I mean, and you know, if a person is in peril, we want to, as humans, empower uh, those of us who are there when it happens to take actions to help them. Right. I mean, there was a situation that prompted that in New York where there was a, a woman who was literally being raped in a, in a public area. Yeah. And there were all of these bystanders yes. that were just there watching. Just there watching. It. Believe it or not, though, a police officer yeah. could do that, too. They have no duty to do their job. No. A police officer can't be sued for not doing, uh, not stepping in or not doing the job well. Uh, Reginald Denny was how I learned that case. That was one of my first cases. We were representing Reginald Denny. If you remember the riots, he was oh, just yeah. massacred. Oh, and the, you know, the police yeah. were right around the corner doing nothing. And, you know, we represented him on very different, many different theories, all of which ultimately got thrown out of court, some more soon than others. But I learned that there is no duty that the police have to provide police protection. But see, that's the question I have for Stan. So Stan, I mean, without, again, you said it very eloquently, without saying anything against the people that were the bystanders in this particular instance, is there some sort of moral, deeper, or higher Ooh. responsibility of the people that are there? Right. It is for me because I believe, you know, I have a personal spiritual connection. I'm not, you know, a minister, but, you know, there is for me. You know, there's a thing called liberty. There's a thing called responsibility. Amen. There's Amen a thing to called that. B-A-L-L-S. And I don't mean that in a, in a disrespectful manner because there are so many strong women officers and strong women citizens. So let's not go there. But, you know, there's, there's such a thing as like, I'm not going to let this happen. Like if you're out with your kids or, or, or your wife, you know, or, or anybody. Right. But of course, Stan, I have to I have to just tell you, it's different if the person is a cop. Stan, thank you so much for calling. Thanks, Stan. Uh, We really want to appreciate your sentiment and your heart. Stay with us, brother. I think you're going to change the world. Lynette, thanks for holding. Uh, Wanted to welcome you to a nation divided. Um, I can probably understand your frustration because it's felt by so many people. Uh, but, folks, if you'd like to join the discussion, yeah. we're not going to take one side or another. Believe it or not, we are not. We don't. It's 1-800-222-5222, 1-800-222-KBC. Talk to us, Lynette. Should citizens have the yeah. power? Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Always good to hear from you, girl. Likewise. You know, if I had a car and if I was driving, a, per- a person driving, I would have took my car and ran them cops over. No, no, no. <laughs> I would not want to meet you no, that way. No. You know, Kristen May That's attempted murder. That. that is attempted murder of more yeah, than one person. Law enforcement, you've got the, the deadly weapon there. You don't want to be in that cage, no, Lynette. They no. put you in a cage for that. But Because but, you know what? Our system of justice is on trial, and you can go anywhere in the United States of America and find the same stuff that goes on in Los Angeles going on in Minnesota, like, but it, you, I do have to tell people, though, Lynette. Now, we, you we, know that sheriff we got building away. He's trying to stop the inspector general from doing his job because we're the way we want to get rid of the game. All right, Lynette. Now, hold on, Lynette. You're going off on a tangent. Lynette, and not everybody understands municipal politics like we do. Like we do. But I will. I just want to bring you back to this basic point. We do have problems. But I have to, the listeners just have to know. This thing that happened in Minnesota doesn't happen regularly. This is not something that just happens with people Bring getting a knee on the neck for a 10-minute period. Uh, the way that people usually die is they get shot. And if it's going to be some form of asphyxiation, that does happen, not as much as it used to. But the way that it happens is you got a person that's in a handcuffed in a prone position. 
and you have usually pressure being applied downward on right. the back, usually in the form of a knee. Sometimes it's those big Samoan cops, like the big the kind of – and they're putting a lot of pressure. And I think oftentimes when that happens, wouldn't you characterize that as something that's sort of unintentional? Like it's a lot of times it, either an officer's not trained or they don't know what's going on or it's really crazy. It, it's somewhere intense. in the middle because yeah. they really – they're kind of mad and they're trying to hurt them but mad, not kill right. them. But they're right. just like – but they want to make a statement but they're not trying to kill the person. But the concept was called positional asphyxia. Right. And the person on the ground can't breathe. So they're they're struggling to breathe. And the person on the top is saying, stop resisting. And the person on the bottom is moving, trying to breathe. And the person on the top says, stop resisting. Yeah, stop resisting. And it keeps right. going back and forth until the person stops moving. And then, the per- and then they typically could be they'll dead stiffen at that point. up. They'll right. stiffen up, too. That's one of the things you'll feel when you're getting, if you're doing a blood choke on a guy, you can actually feel him stiffen up. <laughs> and you might think he's fighting you, but he's <laughs> really not. My goodness, uh, Jim is a, uh, is it a fourth or fifth Don? Anyway. Yeah, don't go there, but I mean, but the point is that that happens. All right, Lynette, I wanted to get back to you, though. Do you think that we should be looking at the law differently? Can, can I interject here? Yes, you may. Yes, you may. I didn't mean to send you guys on a tangent. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> oh, no. Keep going, Lynette. We love it when you call. Go. But it's bad when you got to call the police on the police, and that's what happened. You know, right. that's where we at in this country. We got to right. be honest. And then the people that's way up, like, being the waiver and the chief and all of them and D.A. Jackie Lacey, I mean, they're not the DA anymore. themselves. Yeah. We're not getting rid of the white supremacists and the, the gangbangers and, and the, and the uh, police and the sheriffs, you know. So well, Lynette, we always appreciate when you call. Thank you for calling the Nation Divided. Uh, we've Thank got you, a Lynette. full board. We're going to have go. to move it forward. But thanks again for calling. Got about a minute left here? Yeah, uh, we've got about a minute before the break. And when we get back, uh, we're going to get to uh, Teddy. He's been holding. We're going to get to you first after the break. And, and folks, if you'd like to join the discussion, I do think we're going to be able to get to everybody. You can reach us at 1-800-222-KBC, 1-800-222-5222. It's kind of an interesting concept because as a person who you would think would take the position in favor, I don't think it would be a good idea. My, <laughs> yeah, my personal belief that. is yeah. that I do not think it would be wise to empower citizens to interfere with police. And I'm a civil rights lawyer. Uh, I just see the way people get killed and I see the way that hat that plays out. And a lot of times it plays out because of some real or perceived uh, act of disrespect well, I think and to too, keep that line where it is will save lives, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, but for you, too, though, and i got to jump in and get into your own head, but, I mean, I've, I've heard you say this too many times. You believe in the concept of order. I mean, we have a system, and the system must play itself out, and there has to be order in that system. Right. And and you really believe in that, and I know that you do, and I do, too. I mean, I... Th- but, that's Jim, at the true. same time, I can't watch that video. But it's, it's humanity. I cannot right? watch it. Right. That's the problem. It's humanity. And the idea is it's just a little too much. It's you develop much. emotional calluses to survive in this line of work that we do. Well, folks, we're going to be right back after the break. Uh, again, we're going to get to everyone who's been holding. Folks, if you'd like to join the discussion, we've got a real soft, wonderful conversation. Mm-hmm. 1-800-222-KBC. What is the right thing? It's real, man. This is What's in your heart? What is the, what's in your heart? There you go, baby. There you go. See? You're, cha- you're changing me, B. I'm getting soft. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. We'll be right back, folks. Welcome back, folks. This is a nation divided. Coming to you live from Culver City. We are AM Talk Radio 790. The question of the day, should a citizen have the authority to intervene if a police officer is breaking the law in that citizen's presence? Uh, much more complicated than anyone may think. Teddy from Burbank, you've been holding for a minute. I want to thank you so much for calling, brother. We are dying to know what you think. Hello, Teddy. Okay, I grew up in Oakland. 
I went to predominantly black schools. Mm -hmm. I created the first boycott in the history of the Oakland public schools against a racist principal. Wow. And that was in the 50s. Wow. I don't, first of all, you know, I'm a microbiologist, and I, I can tell you that he had three times the level of fentanyl, a, a death dose. In tell, him. tell our yeah. listeners uh, what fentanyl yeah, is. It's fentanyl. a sedative. And uh, tell, tell our listeners who may not be familiar with the effects that that has on the body. Well, they use it in surgery to knock you out completely. Yeah, it, it's so. basically a very, folks, it's a very powerful depressant, a very powerful downer. I think that uh, Michael Jackson might have had some of that going on when he, when he passed no, away. No, he had propofol. Pro- I'm like sorry. All right, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. Yeah, they're both. They're both it was Prince. Oh, it's Prince. It has was Prince. You have a choice, take fentanyl because propofol causes you to become uh, incontinent. So you don't want to take that. But. <laughs> The fact is that this guy had a high dosage of that, enough apparently to kill a horse from what I've seen. Now, also, uh, there are two camera angles here. One camera angle that appears is his uh, knee is on the neck and the other one is on his shoulder blade. I mean, there are lots of things that haven't been discussed on the news media that like to make, you know, these... Yeah, but Teddy, yeah. let me Teddy. Let's just ask to get to get back onto the question that we're asking here again. I mean, uh, can, would you I would you that, deny? Well, think, first no, of all, hang I, on, Teddy. Let me ask this question. First of all, just yeah. would you even deny that just from the average ordinary citizen's perspective, from the layperson's perspective, and it seems pretty much across the board that it, yeah. without having any other knowledge, it appears that this thing is way too excessive and it feels like something that should be stopped when it's occurring. Would you at least agree that people okay. feel that? Okay, let me address that. Okay. You know, so if we adhere to that type of thinking, you've got trained police officers there. I know nothing about uh, that particular area, but I do know a lot about Los Angeles. And these guys are trained. You had four officers there and not one of those four interceded. They should be as guilty mm-hmm. as as Chauvin. That's a good point. That's a good point. It's a great okay. point. They have a responsibility, right? That's my perspective, right? that yeah. these guys are sitting around watching this guy saying he can't breathe. That now is, That is deep. He said, he said he couldn't breathe when he was inside the police car. So there clearly was a medical issue here. And you remember that he downed all the tablets when he was, you know, in well, his... Well, that, ha- that hasn't been proven, be Teddy. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I got to put a hard stop yeah, on that because on that, that really has not been proven. It hasn't been proven that he ingested anything in, in the car. Uh, however, yeah. he did. You are correct that he had the, the fentanyl uh, in his system. Um, yeah. And But one of the things I wanted to elaborate on that you brought up is one of those officers uh, told uh, Chauvin, we have it on tape, that he said, hey, man, he doesn't have a pulse. And he can't, can't and also, stop that. And, and that was he a, stopped breathing. Yeah, right. there's two different things. There, that, right. that he, and he kept putting the For another on. four and a half minutes, that right. was he, after he was told by a fellow officer he didn't Yeah, have I mean, a the pulse. thing Teddy's bringing up yeah. is a great point, and we haven't really touched on this, is the responsibility of those other officers as people that were there with authority. I think that's a big point here, guys, because... You know, these are trained officers, and they should have stopped it, and they did not. Well, you know, you are absolutely right. And that was the first thing that struck me, yeah. was that you why are they saying, there? Yeah, we talked about uh, that. But they're rookies, and you know, ago. the thing is that the the way that the police agencies work in many municipalities, just period, is that they have to stick together. And if you have a senior officer, 
a a rookie officer or a new officer simply uh, can't get in the way of that person or they can't interrupt them or they're going to have a very short career. Of course, it goes Uh, back to that same thing about the concept of a military uh, personnel following the orders of or standing by while some unlawful act is committed. And it's the very same thing. I agree with you 100% on that. But I think that the medical evidence should come out. Right. You know, well, and that's Teddy, not do you think that do you think being that, shown is a constant barrage right. of the knee either on his back or on his throat. Now, in the autopsy, his larynx wasn't crushed. Now, normally, I used to take karate growing up in Oakland. You know, if you if you damage that particular area of your throat, it's like a toilet paper tube and it collapses. It has to be manually reopened again. Mm-hmm. So if there's no crushing there, I think it falls into the into the area of the amount of fentanyl he had. Well, we have a lot of experts that are going to talk about that. And they have already talked about it. They have already. The question always is going to be, Teddy, is that if none of this had happened, if he was just walking down the street, would he have died that day? And the idea is it's almost certain that he would not have. And the idea that he was a vulnerable person really does not take the responsibility away uh, from the officer to use reasonable force under the circumstances. Now, the idea that the officer uh, may or may not have known he was killing him or may or may not have intended to kill him is something for the jury to decide. But the concept of force always has to yield to the concept of the act of resistance. And if there is no more resistance, if the person is subdued, there's not a police agency in the world that will authorize the continued use of force right. under those circumstances. And so in that, and so to kind of circle this back around to what we've been talking about, it, it goes like this. Maybe the citizen on the street doesn't know that that is the use of force policy, but that is the use of force policy. Right. So effectively at that point, he's committing an unlawful act, right. even though he is in uh, the, he's, he's, uh, he's on duty, right? I mean, he's, he's in the, during the course of exercising his duty as a police officer. So then we come back to the same question again, responsibility and or potential, should there be right of the citizens that are there, which we're not talking about the average ordinary thing. And this isn't just a guy that got pulled over and a police officer has given him a, a, a speeding ticket or even they've pulled him down and it's a potential theft and someone's wrestling around. They don't know what's going on. This thing, as you said, happened over a long period of time. It was very clear to the people that were there. They were all – every single person was traumatized that watched this thing happen. At what point does not just the other officers standing around, but the people that are watching it happen have a responsibility, just a moral responsibility? And I agree with you, but if you go back to World War II, you see a lot of my relatives that are in the Polish ghetto – and wow my condolences man my condolences teddy that was about the worst place you could be in that during that time period i want to give you my condolences to be in that part of the world during those years anyway go ahead unbelievable but i think that the change has to be in the police department where they say you have a personal responsibility as an officer regardless of your rank to stop an act that's going to result in the death of a civilian. Amen. Well, thank you so much for calling, Teddy. We really appreciate you. And and along those lines, one of the things that... Thank you so much for calling, Teddy. Yeah. He brought up a lot of things. The 
immediate response was condemnation. Yes. From instant from the higher ups from the and in the, city, the Minneapolis mayor, Police Department, they all instantly came out. So it's we're not saying that justice has not occurred or will not occur in this incident, right? But again, George Floyd isn't going to get to enjoy this justice. I mean, this isn't going to. He's not going. His family can only just know that maybe justice has been served in the end, but he's still gone. Well, one of the dilemmas that a good cop faces is to speak out or to not speak out when they see something happening that's wrong. And the code of silence is so incredibly powerful because what it ultimately does is that it just, it absolves the act of excessive force because a person uh, is going to have to make a decision uh, to write down something that they saw or didn't see in a police report, or they're going to have to testify and what they really are expected to do is lie and say that the force was reasonable by blaming the person that's the victim of the force. They're expected to Man. lie in police reports. They're expected to lie on the stand. I love the They're point expected you're to lie for the greater good of the department. Well, look at it from the res- – again, going back to responsibility of citizens. I mean maybe part of our problem here is, is that we're not creating an environment, and I don't just mean the police force or the government, but as citizens – where police officers that are good police officers don't have the room to do that. Right. They don't have the room to act, even in that particular incident. Again, maybe a bunch of those citizens, they're standing around and they are ready to take action. Maybe those three police officers would know, hey, right. someone's got my back. I know this is a wrong thing there and I want to stop it, but I'm not going to get hung out to drive because these other citizens are, are with me. But I can tell you that is such a great point. I, I've seen so many changes in the 26 years I've been doing this. And uh, James and Conrad, we're going to get to you guys after yep, the break. Coming to you. Uh, but we, we, we're just going to we're going to go up into the hour and then we're going to get to you guys right after the break. But I did want to point out that things people too often say that everything uh, is terrible or screwed. things have really improved they dramatically. Have. Yeah, they have. Uh, I think the LAPD, which was, you know, pretty much the bellwether for officer involved shootings for a long time. Oh they, gosh, they're yeah, about was, less yeah. than half of where they were. Yeah. Uh, and less than half of the bad shootings are happening now than in the 90s when I started. The rates are coming down dramatically. Yeah. And we're seeing police officers not, they're sitting there in reports, and I've actually seen actual instances where they say, I didn't see a threat, and not get persecuted for it. Yeah. They didn't, you know, I didn't shoot, why didn't you shoot? I didn't see the same threat. I didn't see the same it threat. It doesn't mean I'm turning my back on my partner. No. Even though I was right there, seeing right, the same thing right, that the person right, right, saw. Right, right, right. But what we're, what is happening, folks, and folks really need to understand that we are making strides and moving in the right direction in this area. Uh, we're going to be back uh, after the hour with, with a lot more of this discussion, folks. And we're going to kind of get into the concept of, you know, should a rank-and-file police officer that's not caught on tape, that is not the subject of a national controversy, be charged for murder uh, when they're involved in a shooting uh, of an unarmed person that really doesn't pose a threat. Uh, We're going to want to talk to everyone who wants to talk to us. We'll be right back.